Welcome to the show that punches you in the face with information. Welcome to the Enterprise Fitness Podcast. My name is Mark Tobri, and today I am joined by Cristiano Colla and Heming. How are you? Wow, Heming. couldn't even give me a last name. Last no, name shout out. Heming who? Who? Where, where did he go? Who? Actually, your name is Heming who. Not, I'm not saying Heming who. I'm saying Heming who. <laughs> For those who don't know, I got a lot of the knock-knock joke when I was a kid. Um, didn't like it as a kid, but now as an adult, I knock, can, knock. I can definitely... Who's there? Hemming. <laughs> Hemming who? who? So, Hemming, you're actually a, a former Olympic athlete, or an Olympic athlete. Would you say former Olympic athlete? Both work. Yeah, both. And you're a former soccer player. Soccer player, yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm, um, I'm Mark. I'm a, <laughs> I don't know what former I'm... Former form, bodybuilder. For, former bodybuilder, recovering bodybuilder. Um, no mask. Sorry? With no muscle mass. Oh, uh, oh, so in this episode, I'm going to roast Hemming. I'm just uh, giving you guys a heads up. But no, in this episode, we are going to tackle the topic of the champion mindset. So I think uh, Cristiano and I are going to be dominating this topic. Yeah, we're going to talk about the champion mindset, what it takes, what I've observed over the years of training champions, what we've observed in our clients, and obviously we'll give some props to Hemming what it takes to get to the Olympic level. I mean, you know, what is it like less than 1% of the world really would ever get to that Olympic level of anything. So I think it's pretty special that we have an Olympian on our team and we can get, like I, I see the obsession that you have with certain things and can definitely see a lot of those traits in champions that I've trained and champions in general and also things that I, I obsess about as well. So it's, it's very curious. So actually I want to kick this off by saying a story. This really kind of picked pictures and paints the scene of a champion mindset andrew maloney who i trained for some time he was getting ready he had a fight i don't know what fight what number fight it was in his professional career but his outfit was black and gold and he wanted his shoes to be black and gold right except the problem was nike they don't have any gold like boxing shoes they didn't have any specific gold so he got a uh, a texter a gold texter and he go, I go, mate, you seem a bit tired today. He goes, yeah, I was up last night. I go, what were you doing? Because like, we spoke about, actually, let me remember. Was it, I think it was after the fight. Was it after the fight or before the fight? I think both. And it was some time ago. But anyway, I noticed his gold shoes. I was like, man, where'd you get those gold shoes from? He goes, I was going line by line with a texter, a marker. And he was going line by line to color it in. And his uh, wife was going to do it for him. And he was like, no, no, it has to be done the exact way like he had to do it line by line he wanted it just done perfectly uh, and that story just it signifies the level of detail that champions have and obviously andrew a world champion commonwealth games gold medalist it signifies the level of detail that champions go to that others don't others would just go oh, i'll just color it in and make it whatever it's, it's good enough or just accept the shoes that they have the champion mindset i really see it's just it's those string of one percenters that people don't think about have you found this in your experience Def definitely very i mean it can definitely screw with your head a lot because that obsession can be next level like for me it was wearing red shirts for me it was if there was a little bit of cloth on the t table tennis court i'd get distracted by that and then i'd need to oh, remove really? that before i could play the next point what about, what, why red that's isn't that, isn't that like the chinese olympic colors pretty much but you but played for australia that's the, I don't know why red to be honest. 
But what, what did you do when you had to wear yellow and green? I would see which, like, I would see the last three matches. It gave me a lot of anxiety, actually. Really? Um, to unhealthy points. I, I, I looked at the last three matches. If I lost that in green, then I would change that to a yellow. If I won it in green, I'd make sure I stuck with it. Oh, really? So it was ever changing. So you wanted to wear red. I was going to say, you can't. You could never change and just go, I'm going to wear red now. Because well, you had to wear the Olympic colors. Fortunately for, for me, it was, yes, getting to a high level. But the, the pinnacle for me was getting to the Olympics. I wasn't realistically going to be a world champion, even though at times I had to think that I was. So the more important tournaments for me were always the in Australia ones. And those matches, you could wear what you want. So with that said, were you ruling yourself out from winning before you got there? I mean, look, I don't know that much because, I mean, you know, obviously about your sport, table tennis, was it impossible for you to win? Or did you count yourself? Like, how does that factor into it? I mean, is the realistic and the champion mindset of wanting to win, if you get what I'm saying, is like the champion mindset also, like, you know, wants to win, but you also at this time, you've got a lot of pressure and you've got to be realistic. Were, I know, because what Chinese table tennis players dominate in the world yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so was it at all realistically for you to win against a chinese athlete or it, it wasn't realistic but i c- could have is obviously not reality but i could have pushed it I, I could have been better than what i was and i think i look back at my own career and i'm pretty fulfilled with most of it but what, why do I you say have... that why do i say what why do you say you could have pushed a bit harder what do you feel that wasn't because you seem like you're pretty obsessive about the whole thing. I was, like it was yeah. your life, right? Pretty, pretty much. It, it was my life. But I knew deep down that I had more. Other coaches that I worked with, some, some coaches that perhaps I didn't get along with in the, at the time. But when I look back, those coaches were right saying, you could, have, you could have been a player that made more money from table tennis. You could have been higher in the world ranks. You could have been, you didn't really reach your potential. If you look at it in detail. Sure, I reached a lot of it. But... It's an interesting topic for me because I didn't believe that it was possible for an Australian. I had all these labels that my parents and a lot of other Asian parents think is not possible. And I let that be the determining factor for not being better than I was. So how does that coexist with the champion mindset? Because on one hand, the champion mindset, like again, if I refer to say Janet Kane, she won four Mm. Australian titles, three Natural Miss Olympias and three Arnold Classic titles. She would leave no stone unturned same as Andrew like everything went obviously as life happens and and things get in the way of of the perfect prep say for example right as an athlete I think you want things to go a certain way and you stick to the plan but you know seldomly to everything anything ever goes perfectly but you really do create your whole life around it but I think your level of Anthony Robbins says it really really well right you have your potential your belief the actions that you take and then ultimately the result that you get often everyone has this like level of potential let's say your, your potential is going to the olympics right the the level of effort you put up is going to be determined behind your belief of whether you think you can get to the olympics now you believe you can get to the olympics so you worked like someone the, the workload that you did was to get to the olympics but would you agree this is kind of like my question it's a question slash a statement but it almost seems like with that champion mindset is that if maybe would you agree with this i guess if you had believed that you could beat or get, say, a gold medal or a silver or a bronze or place, do you think you would have worked more if you believed you could have gotten that? Definitely. I would have still been overseas in, in either Europe or in Asia playing for a team professionally um, right now instead of being here. 
Sorry. In Australia. Sorry to employ yeah. you. <laughs> Life sucks. I know, right? I'm really... The podcast confessions, l- listing all your life's regrets. <laughs> Life sucks at one of the uh, world world's best studios. It does. Really yeah. does. Thinking back now, what, what do you think was the missing piece for you in order to you know reach full potential and maybe aim a bit higher in your career? A really good question. I, I think education around humans could actually do anything. I really don't think this is taught in schools or by most people's parents because the reality is that most people do live very average lives and look most people are okay with that but I think there are certain groups of people that chase excellence and because not many people do chase excellence or live um, that excellence it's not going to be taught down education path so I didn't have enough people I didn't really have enough people to really be like you know what you do is great but you can push for way more and the coming to enterprise is something that you, you remind me of all the time. Like you, you do commend me in the hard work that I do, the good work that I do, but it's like, hey, you have that really good balance between what you can do better versus what you are doing well. Well, I think I think what you say is complacency is often celebrated mm-hmm. in Australian culture. Yes. Particularly in Australian culture. The little Aussie battler, the let's go to the pub when work knocks off, the least amount of effort that we can do. Complacency for a long part is celebrated. Whereas what I celebrate is champions, is basically being competent and excellent at what you do and getting the task accomplished. That, that is what I celebrate. It's awesome. You, and actually caring enough to give feedback on things. And, you know, like, I think what happens is there aren't a lot of people who, like, once you achieve success, people get very lazy and it's like, yeah, this is good. And they want to stay there and they forget that there is another level or they could go further. And look, some people, that's all they want and that's fine. That's just not how I'm wired. When I hit a level, I, I'm, I'm comfortable for about 30 minutes. And then I'm thinking, because I personally, I enjoy the process. I enjoy the creation. I love the creating aspect of it and the thought that I can continually improve and get better at something and find a new level because it makes me better as a person. And I think for me, and I think a lot of, I don't know if you relate to this, but it's less about the task and more about the person who you become along that. And I think the difference with a champion mindset is that they're not always focused on, yes, it's nice to win, but the person who likes walking will always go further than the person who likes the destination. Mm-hmm. If you use that as like a metaphor, if you love the process of pushing yourself, and I don't know if this is true for you, but say table tennis, it was simply a vehicle for you to test yourself and find out what you're made of. But that vehicle could have been anything. For me, at the moment, it's business. It's my vehicle to test myself. It used to be training, but now it's really transformed into, into more the, the business realm. What do you think about that? Well, I think you know, I've done a lot of work and I will continue to do a lot of work with personal development coaches and you know, ultimately what stopped me from reaching my ultimate potential, um, if, even though I did reach very far in table tennis, what stopped me from reaching my ultimate potential is um, a fear of success. And when I say a fear of success, what that means is you know, that means turning this place into next level. It's that challenges my beliefs and my parents' beliefs that are pushed onto me of like, love my parents, but you know, that's not possible. This is not possible. And when you're they were saying it's not possible for you to... They were saying a lot of things were not possible. And it's with love, but because they don't see that it's possible for themselves. So they well, kind of project what, it. You winning gold medal is impossible? 
well, you know, things like it's not possible to make a living out of telcanus as an Australian player. Australian players are destined to not be good internationally. Things like that would um, subconsciously live on me. Right. And, you know, money is the root of all evil and this can't be made. And, and, and these sort of things are really what I'm trying to battle. Um, and I think a lot of these limiting beliefs, moment to moment when I have a small victory, I can get complacent. Or if I don't have a victory, that's when I get super, super, super indulgent of beating myself up. And that is not effective compared to long-term what's happening. And I think you teach me that a lot when I have those moments of highs and lows, when I tend to get stuck into, I suck, I can't do it. Or What do I do? Just say the guys, because the guys obviously at home or in girls, the guys and girls, and folks listening to this, they don't know exactly what I'm teaching you, but what do you mean when you say this is stuff that I get stuck into? Well, I tend to get really deflated if I have what I see as a loss and something didn't go my way. And then I'll be like, okay, I can't do it. I'm a failure. I'm this, I'm that. And then that's when you remind me of all the potential I have and the good work that I do. But then when I do get a, a moment, because how you feel changes from moment to moment. That's just how our emotions are. You can't get attached to them too much. Whereas getting attached to them for me was like, oh my God, I had a good win. Therefore, I'm like over the moon, running around celebrating. Yeah. And that's when it's like success breeds more success. So now's not the time to to sit, lay down and rest on your ass and celebrate. Now's the time to keep rolling on that. And when you don't have something that goes your way, it's the time to learn from that. And rather than beat yourself up, be like, oh, what could I do better if that came up again well, next you time? Learn, you learn far more in defeat and your losses than you do winning. If all you ever do is win, then you think, you know, you're God's gift and you're never going to be touched. And that's really delusional to think that you're God's gift and you can't do any wrong, if that makes sense. You learn far more in your losses and defeats than you do in your successes. And if all you experience is successes, then it's just positive reinforcement and say it like, let's say, for example, in t using table tennis as, as an example, if you have a really good run in a state level and then all you do is win and then you get to a national level and you get smashed you're not you don't have the capacity to figure out and figure out why you got smashed at, a, at a, i'd imagine at a junior level at a lesser level you want to get smashed at that lesser level because you want to learn how to take feedback and you want to learn how to recalibrate and all the things that you weren't doing to improve on that's what's going to get you to the next so at the national level it can be very like shocking oh wow i'm i'm using tennis table tennis as the is the metaphor and example of this but if you're constantly able to get feedback, because I think people and we're meaning making creatures, humans are meaning making creatures. We ascribe meaning to things that inherently have none. So the fact that you're winning, when we win, we go, oh, this is good. But is it good? Is it, is it actually good in the scheme of things? Because in, in 10 years, maybe you winning that was the worst thing that could ever happen to you because you got this false positive feedback loop that you're actually doing good. And, and where actually what you really needed was to improve A, B and C. For me, for example, my very first bodybuilding competition, I came last at a lineup of eight. Last. Dead last. I was the guy on stage that shouldn't have been on stage, that looked out of place. Who's that skinny runt on stage? That was Mark Atobri. That was me. Placed last out of a lineup of eight. Now it's me. I did everything you could possibly do wrong in, in my very first bodybuilding competition. I was crushed. Mm -hmm. At the moment, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Worst thing ever. Now... I don't know how many years later, 18 years later, 18 years later, I think it's about 18, 18, 19 years later. It is one of the best blessings and gifts that ever happened in my life. Because if that had, if I think back and I go, what if I came first that day? My drive 
for knowledge, my drive for wanting more, my drive for learning, for doing, it's 17 courses in one year once, 17 wow. courses in one year. My drive for learning, going around the world, getting the best coaches, just the capacity to learn and wanting to level up and read and all of that, that probably wouldn't have been there. I had to be, I suppose, slaughtered, uh, destroyed, completely humbled to go, I know nothing about this. I need to learn. I have a massive void. That I would credit to making me, you know, back in the day when I was coaching, a fantastic comp prep coach where all my competitors would win and then being able to pass that on, comp prep coach, <laughs> and now having other comp prep coaches who work, we're laughing because that's how Christiana says, and other so comp prep coaches, that's how Hemming says it, and having other comp prep coaches who've, who've come to sort me out to learn from me and obviously we've trained over 300 competitors uh, to win We've trained 300 competitors to win at Enterprise and taught trainers all around the world our methods. That was instigated by, at the time, a moment that was absolute defeat. And I think part of having that mindset is it's being able to say, and. And I'm going to go on this rant as well. Is if you guys heard, I think it's like, a, some people say it's Chinese. Some people say it's like Bulgarian or European. There's this like story. I'm not sure if you've heard it, but it's the story of, Basically, what happens is a farmer and a boy, the horse run, there's basically wife, husband, and a boy, right? And they're on a farm and they have horses and one of the horses run, runs away. And the neighbor says to the man, oh, it's really bad that your horse ran away. He ran away. You know, what, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, it could be good, could be bad, we'll see. So then the next week, the horse comes back and brings four other horses with it. And the neighbor goes, that's amazing. You've got now five horses. And the, the farmer goes, well, could be good, could be bad. We'll see. The next week, the boy is breaking in the horses and he comes off and breaks his leg. And the boy was working on the farm. So the neighbor says, oh, it must suck that your son now has broken his leg. He can't help you on the farm. The man says, well, could be good, could be bad. We'll see. The next week, the government come over and commissioning uh, young men to join the army and the boy doesn't go and all these young boys get you know, slaughtered in war and he goes oh your boy didn't go could be good could be bad we'll see anyway the story the point of the story is that the story keeps going it's that people often in life they ascribe a full stop where there isn't one there isn't a full stop it's always a comma it's and what are you going to do next Quick message from our sponsors, us. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast, be it Spotify or iTunes. And also go right ahead and check out melbournepersonaltrainers.com. Hit the resource tab and you can actually download the digital version of this completely free. This is our user manual. It's loaded with shopping lists, our questionnaires, our how to set goals, serving sizes, and a whole bunch of stuff. Really quick, easy reference guide that you can use. And of course, if you want to dive deeper into our world of nutrition, check out the Enterprise Diet Book. It's on Amazon if you're an international right from Australia. And if you are within Australia, check out enterprisediet.com to order your copy today. All right, back to the podcast. I think it goes back to what I mean, said about managing your emotions. Let's say you have a you, you win, so you don't have, you know, you can celebrate, but it's also your responsibility to keep yourself in check, keep yourself humble, 
like you're doing the same thing. If you have a if you have a failure, if you lose something, you have to be able to not believe that that's your identity at the same time. So you have to keep yourself neutral while the roller coaster of emotion, failure, successes. Um, I think that was an example for um, lots of, for example, fighter in the UFC. Uh, so lots of people that um, they've been brought up in environments that literally they had nothing. This is full of examples. For example. Conor McGregor, yet nothing, and like your parents, that they they told you that you couldn't do it. it, there wasn't a path because they couldn't see it, but you saw the path in yourself, like Conor McGregor did, and he ended up now he's a billionaire. So he, he made something out of nothing, and I think it's full of example like that in sport, just in general. You had uh, similar, like I mean, you you have a champion mindset. When the levels that you got to in soccer, there's nothing short of small. Like you got to a very elite level. It wasn't elite. It was like I was. It made me proud of myself. Like like I mean, I could have done more. I had potential. I probably wasn't surrounded by by the right people. In soccer, there's lots of po- politics going on. So it's more like it used to be like if the the coach of of, of the team, you know, your your son is meant to play. Uh, rather than somebody who's actually good, putting that for you, working harder, just because somebody then it's they can play, you can't play. So was it? Imagine it would be very crushing that you're, say, a better soccer player, say in this case, and then someone else gets a front because they know someone or they have more money or they're able to get onto the yeah. team. Is that very crushing? I'd imagine. I think for like if you're a teenager. It's definitely crushed. It's definitely taken on your self-esteem and confidence eventually later on in life. That's what happened to me. Yes, I had injuries, but it was more like psychological thing, just feeling the pressure from people. Because like from a certain age, I believe that from a certain age, you know, you're supposed to enjoy the sport that you do. You're not, you know, you're not supposed to think about performance or feeling pressure from other people. And that eventually you can develop your own skill and psychological resilience, stoicism, whatever you want to call it later in life. So you're saying like the wind, the, I suppose the wind was taken out of your sails because there was a lot of pressure, as in you didn't want that pressure that young age? That's why you walked away? Um, I feel like I, I didn't want that pressure at a young age. Um, How old are you? I was maybe 12, 13. Oh, wow, you were very young. Yeah, so I don't think that at that age you're meant to, you're meant to, you're just meant to, you're just still a kid, you're just meant to enjoy the sport that you do without, without thinking too much about, you know, performance. But the level that you were at, kids were getting selected. And yeah, groomed. just because the level I was at, because, yeah, you know. They were being groomed for the, what is it, Premier League, not Premier League. Yeah, you, you meant to like, you meant to follow a path. You go from an academy to, to the first team and then eventually you end up playing for the, for the first division. Yeah. So that was the path. Um, but it's more like the politics. I mean, that's in my sport. That was in my sport. I don't know about table tennis or, or the Olympic Games, but yeah, I guess that's much higher precedent than what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of politics. And I, I <coughs> being in table tennis for most of, pretty much most of my life it feels like politics is only in telephonus but it's good to know that bodybuilding as well so much politics in bodybuilding it's in everything and i was always terrible at playing the game quarter space quote unquote i was terrible at that political game of having to suck up to the people that had the power Mm. and what got me out of a lot of trouble because i was always that kid that because it's bigger than you 
<laughs> Why is Hemming's brother? His calves are not. He's no, so much they're... bigger than you, dude. His calves are bigger than your arms. Yeah. I can't debate that. No, He's you can't. Huge. It's they're, they're facts. Uh, you got the table tennis jeans. He got everything else. <laughs> the looks, the brain. I'm, I'm bigger where it matters, though. <laughs> the biceps, the strength. Uh, you got reasons. No, I think these are. I think these are great. Like pe- people do temp- tend to label things as either good or bad. If you didn't, if you didn't <coughs> come last that day, maybe w- would we have? Would we not have thousands of lives transformed? It'd be very arguable. Would we not it, have here? It would be very arguable. Ma- maybe we, not. Would you not be the the personal trainer you are today if you didn't come in the industry? If these things didn't happen, um, probably not. If I didn't have a, we were talking about in the last episode about my experience with good life. If I didn't have that bad experience, I probably wouldn't be here and be curious about becoming a better coach. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to one of his clients. I remember one of your clients was like, Andre is very thinking, why is this guy always saying Comprep coach? And then I said it again the other day and he, because he's obviously got to like 8%. He's like, yeah, a really good one. What? I kept saying Comprep coach at the start in the accent, yeah. and the, the guy was like, just being nice. All right, I'll just laugh and let Hemming think this is funny. But as he started to get really shredded. That's how most people interactions with you are. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, 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 he's very funny. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 50%. Anyway, funny. back to the podcast uh, champion mindset. All right, mm. so my thoughts on champion mindset it really does come back down to that single mindedness of being able to focus on a singular task and being able to essentially control or not control allow all the other outside influences that can rock you i think like a a boat a smooth seas never made for a skilled mariner and i think if you want to achieve something you have whether it's going to the olympics world champion whatever you got to realize the path to that is going to be anything but smooth so you need to be single-minded towards that goal but at the same time allow the winds to blow you while also staying on track. Now, the winds that are blowing you are our own emotions often. Yes. It's not, whether it's external or internal, it's all internal. And it's being able to use what's happening external to us to bring us back on course. And if something bad happens, I like the way Jocko phrases it, Jocko Willinks, that is, good. If something bad happens, good. You didn't make the Olympic team, good. Yeah, work harder for the next one. Work harder. You I took think, it yeah. for granted. Dr. John Martini says it's so dry and so bland, but it's so well. It's like you got to see your, you got to see the goal as being either on the way, not in the way. <laughs> no, but what he says is like people. We all need support and challenge. Without support, without actual seeing evidence, you don't believe it's going to happen. Without challenge, then you're never going to grow. So things are either going to support you or they're going to challenge you. And when things happen, they're going to be in the way, not on, not. No, they're going to be on the way, not in the way. Um, yeah. yeah, I like one one from John, which is take no credit, take no blame, just keep focus on chief aim. And the name of the game, he would say, is love and wisdom. But I'm like, the name of the game is staying focused, right? So that's what you uh, say to me. Yeah, you got, it, you got it from John. I got it from John. Ah. Yeah, 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 it's all revealed on the podcast, all the secrets. Mm-hmm. Anyway, fi- final thoughts, gentlemen. Final thoughts. If you want to be an elite champion, there has to be a certain level of... I was talking about with a client the other day, actually. It's funny, but every... And it's also my opinion. Like every elite athlete, I'm talking about people who live beyond their sports, like, you know, Kobe Bryant, MJ, big names. It's all people that they left the legacy behind. And to get that 
to get to that level of elite, you have to, there's a certain level of, you know, s those people, they're like psychopath as well. Mm. So you have to isolate yourself, just focus on, pick something in your life that keeps you curious and keeps you engaged in becoming a master of the craft. I think what you've just touched on is very pertinent because like, let's say for example, if you did want to be number one at table tennis, then that is all you would be. Yeah. Yeah, there, there isn't really much room to do other things. So you do need to be a bit of a psychopath. And for most people, it isn't, and I know for me as well, it's interesting how we both, all of us on this table have gotten to things, whether it's table, uh, soccer, for me it was bodybuilding, for you it was table tennis. We get really close and we get a glimpse of what it takes to be in that 1%. And we're like, actually, I don't know if the price of emission is worth Cause like if you get to that level, like even your relationship, they take a hit. Like well, you, you can't expect to keep yeah. good relationship with your partner, your wife, or yeah. your friends, mm. without taking a hit. Absolutely, so but if, that is that is the price. Yeah, if you're ready to accept it, yeah, that's on. the price. Yeah, yeah. There, there is definitely a price that that gets paid. Pound of flesh that you need to deliver. Yes, you've got to be ready for that commitment. I mean, if you want something, I always tell this to my telephonist clients. It's like. A lot of my telephonist clients think there's something special about me that I can do that they can't. It's like, no, man, I've just been doing this for a lot longer than you. I know exactly how things are going to turn out with whatever action I do. And I've also never stopped. You can actually, you can do the same things as I can, but you just don't, your mind doesn't believe that yet. So to diet and dieting is a very similar thing. It's not the people that can lose a few kilos, but ultimately can't get to their goal or they can't sustain it are people that look at this as, look at things as a short-term solution. Whereas people who look at things in the long game are always able to, in, in the end, through enough quote-unquote losses and wins, they're able to understand, okay, what works? And really the people that are at the very top of the game, there's nothing inherently different about them as a human. It's just that they've psychopathically been in that well, game for way longer. Yeah, and I think also as well, there's the all or none mindset as well. And what you're talking about is the all, a little, little bit mindset and for a lot of people who are trying to change a lifestyle, it's not a champion mindset. They don't need a champion mindset. A champion mindset is an obsessive mindset yeah. and can be a very unhealthy mindset. So if you're just wanting to create improvements, then you need a little bit at a time. You don't need an all or none mindset. You need a little bit is better than nothing mindset. To be a champion, 1% of the world, you need an all or none mindset. Yeah. And with that, you are going to sacrifice things in your life that frankly, a lot of people will look at and go, it's no, not worth it. It's yeah. not worth it. You, you get there and you're like, well, what's the point of this? Yeah. This doesn't make me happy as a person. And it, you were right. They are psychos. And that's also why it. those people, when they retire, like literally have nothing else to do. And they, they, they just lost. Yeah. It's their complete identity. Yeah. yeah. Did, you have a, did you have a hard time when you stopped? Because I know I'm still going through like not knowing what's next. And yeah. Um, I lost myself two years. Two, two years after I, I stopped playing soccer, um, I didn't know who I was anymore. Um, I'm fine now, but there's still, if I walk by a park and I see people playing football, it's still like, it still triggers me sometimes um, because I know I can do it and I've, I've got potential. So it's just not in my interest anymore. What about you, Heming? Final thoughts? Yeah, I, for a long time ago, people asked me this and I stopped enjoying hitting table tennis balls a long time ago. But what I've always loved about it is being that kid that got told he couldn't do it, he's not good enough. I, enjoy, I, I still to this day love being under pressure. I love, which is a, probably a rare thing to say, but 
one of my actual Olympic best friends now. Um, we weren't best friends when we were players, but he loved playing table tennis. When he asked me for a hit, I say, hell no. But for me, it was always, I loved that thrill of not knowing if you're going to win. Winning felt great. Losing was crushing. And you'd, you'd learn, you'd bounce back from that and win a lot of good matches. Um, but for me, yeah, still ultimately why I love training at Enterprise is because I don't care too much about abs. It'd be nice to have, but I have to break a lot of my limiting beliefs around getting to 8% body fat, for example. And that's currently the new journey that I'm finding most exciting. It will never happen. <laughs> that's savage, Screw you all. That's savage. That's a champion, mate. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Enterprise Fitness Podcast. If you have, send it to a friend, family member, someone who enjoys it. We do these podcasts for the love of sharing information with all of you. Help us touch more people's lives, get the message out of good, train, good training, good nutrition, and a good lifestyle. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this, your podcast, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all places where you listen to podcasts and check us out on Instagram. So till next time, friends, train hard, eat well, and supplement smart. Are you frustrated with your diet, not knowing what to eat, when to eat, macro split, whether you should do a meal plan? Well, I have a solution for you. It's called the Enterprise Diet. We have literally transformed tens of thousands of people's lives these are the exact principles, systems, methods that we use in creating the head-turning results that we do time after time for over a decade here at Enterprise Fitness. You can check it out at enterprisediet.com. This took me three years to put together and I'm very proud to share it with you all. It literally is like taking everything that I know in, my, in here and just putting it on paper for you to download today. So check it out, enterprisediet.com and grab your copy today.